You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. Um, so, first of all, as of, as far as yesterday goes, that's what I'm trying to say. Great start. I was kind of torn on how to handle yesterday. Um, part of me, so so the initial plan was, I was going to have Blaine on for about half, and then I was going to do another half of podcast. Um, the problem was that wasn't really going to happen based on length and everything else. So I had to decide, should I just throw that in as a Patreon extra? Like it's just a bonus podcast, and then not, not do a podcast? Or should I just make that the podcast? Those are kind of my options. Or record a whole new podcast, which I wasn't going to do that either, especially as, as late as it was. That wouldn't have been done until the afternoon, and that would not be worth, worth anybody's time. And I probably would have recorded it and said, no, I'm just going to make this for tomorrow anyway. So again, not really an option. And so ultimately I said, you know, if I was doing a second podcast, I would make this a bonus. But since I'm not doing one, I'm not going to not do one and then, you know, just make this a Patreon thing. So kind of an unusual podcast, I'll grant you that. But um just having a little bit of fun. Anyways, um, we've had a lot of guests on lately, and so today I kind of want to just play cleanup. There's been some halfway thoughts and all these kinds of things that uh, have gone kind of a little unfinished business. Anyways, I want to start with this. We've, we've kind of done this like a thousand times already, but, um, you know, as it keeps coming up, I'm going to keep uh, addressing it because it's, it's interesting and People keep want to talk, keep wanting to talk about it, and they keep attacking it from different angles, and so that's what we're going to look at here. It's from a few days ago, um, but again, it's about the fact that Aaron Rodgers is not clutch. He says, "Crazy stat: Aaron Rodgers is 0 and 42 when down by one or more in the fourth quarter versus winning teams." Right away, when I saw that, I said, "No chance, zero chance in the world." 0 and 42 when down by one or more. Which, by the way, he went back and said, "Oh, I, I meant." What the original stat was, because he just ripped this off from somebody else. I wish I could find the original, but I can't. He ripped it off from somebody else. Um, it's supposed to be down by more than one, not one or more. So two or more is what we're looking at, which again, as I said, anytime you see a stat that's weird like that, like for example, the, the last time we did this, the, the question was how clutch is Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs? And we looked at it and it's not that different. Now, if you just look at championship, in other words, AFC championship, NFC championship games, Rodgers' stats look pretty bad. But if you just look at playoffs overall, there's nothing wrong with his playoff record. First of all, it's not a quarterback record to begin with, but there's nothing wrong with it. But if you specifically say NFC championship or championship round, it gives the impression that he's really bad. Why would you say two or more? 
probably because if it's down by any amount, it's not nearly as bad. But anyways, you could understand it if you're talking about 0-42, right? It also adds in verse winning teams. So you've got another qualifier in there to try to whittle this down. So here, here's the situation. I could comb through every single game and find out which ones were winning teams at the time, because I think that's what he means, winning teams at the time. But that's a stupid stat. Winning at the time could be a team that was 1-0 and ended the season you know, with three wins. Not that that makes it any better for losing to that team, but how about we do this? How about we just look at teams that ended with a winning record? Teams that by the end of the season, we know these were the best teams. There's one additional caveat that I want to add here, and it it's something that has to be done. Now, they don't want to do it because it's going to screw everything up for them and make a, a not great picture, but let's be completely honest. Expecting a quarterback to come, da- come back down 25 points in the fourth quarter is stupid. So we need to pick a realistic number that a quarterback could could realistically come back from. Again, silly to even talk about how uh, it's all on the quarterback, but that's what we're going to do. I'm saying more than seven is a little bit unfair. So we're kind of shrinking this down to something that's unrealistic because you're saying it has to be down by at least two, and I'm saying it can't be more than seven. So somewhere between down by two, between two and seven points. The Green Bay Packers have been in that situation since 2007 only 22 times. In that span, the Packers have won three times out of 22. One of them was the Matt Flynn game. So Aaron Rodgers does not get credit for that. The other two games are the Dallas Cowboys in 2017 and San Diego Chargers in 2007. Now that's not going to show up on their list because Dallas at the time was 2 and 3, San Diego at the time was 1 and 2, but both of them ended with winning records. But here's the thing that's more interesting to me, right? Because the the point is we're not going to add context because we don't want to add context. We don't want to show you what is expected. And and again, that's my whole thing. I don't care what you did. I want to know what you did compared to expectations, right? I, I talk about this with the draft, right? You you got a touchdown, that doesn't mean anything to me. How did you get a touchdown? And, and what did you do that's better than what anybody else can do? This is one of my issues with all the, the draft highlights, most of the time, or even player highlights. You know, if, if a defender falls and you're running free down the field or it was a busted coverage and the ball gets thrown to you wide open and you catch it and run what right in, that's not a highlight. Just because it's a touchdown doesn't make it a highlight. I don't care that you didn't do anything interesting. Right? You can get a two-yard reception that's more of a highlight than that touchdown. Right? If, you, if you're able to break a guy's ankles or, or just a, a, a really ridiculous, like some of those catches from Devontae that were down in the dirt, it wasn't a spectacular play, mostly because Rodgers put the ball in a bad spot. But I'm looking at that from Devontae saying, how in the world did you catch that? So if we look at this compared to every other team in football, you know who has the, um, the best record? Not surprisingly, it's the Patriots. But hold on, there's more. What is the Patriots' win-loss record? The highest record is .308, 8 wins and 18 losses, down by between 2 and 7 points in the fourth quarter. Nobody, nobody generally is winning those games on a consistent basis. 30% is as good as it gets. You know who's number two? The New York Giants. Then Steelers, Raiders, Cardinals, Broncos, Colts, Titans, Dolphins, and Cowboys. Tell me. In the 2007 to 2021 span, what do you know about those teams? Patriots, Giants, Steelers, Raiders, Cardinals, Broncos, Colts, Titans, Dolphins, Cowboys. 
Because if you know, tell me, because I, I don't see anything interesting about these teams in this span. I know Tom Brady is a is a good quarterback, and he's known as being clutch, so that makes sense. Explain the Giants to me. Is it is it Eli? Is Eli a clutch guy? What about the Steelers? Big Ben? What about the Raiders? What about the Cardinals? What about the Broncos? What about the Colts and the Titans and the Dolphins and the Cowboys? What? Who on the Dolphins is a really clutch quarterback? We got Ryan Tannehill. We got Ryan Fitzpatrick. We got Chad Henney. We got Jay Cutler. The, I'm looking at four in a row, four different quarterbacks. Jay Cutler. Tannehill again with his second. Um, then we got Jay Cutler again with his second. And then finally, the last one, which, which is it's, it's Chad Henney again. So um, Henney did two, Cutler did two, or three, two or three, I don't remember. What, what, I mean, th- this is the thing. Again, if you want to find out if something is a good metric, sort it and tell me, is this a good list of quarterbacks? It's not terrible, right? You got Tom Brady on top. All right, I respect that. You got Eli accounting for most of the Giants' wins, although you do have uh, Daniel Jones accounting for one of them. You know, you know what I think makes more sense than this being a list of quarterbacks is this being a list of defenses. Because let's not forget, the Patriots have had great defenses for a long time. The Giants have been up and down. The Steelers have largely been very good. The Raiders, if they've had anything, it's been defense. Back in their Khalil Mack days, perhaps. The Packers, by the way, on this list rank 21st. Chicago ranks 15th. Um, Seattle ranks 12th. The Saints rank 16th. Kansas City Chiefs are 23rd, below the Packers. Baltimore is 25th. Detroit is 26th. Minnesota is 27th. Buffalo's 29, Philadelphia's 30, Jacksonville's 31, Cleveland 32. So first of all, the, the stat, and, and maybe the stat is correct based on how they worded it, because again, if you look at this, I, I, can't, I can't tell you for sure that that's correct, because I can't even search what he's talking about. I mean, I could go back through individually for every single game Rodgers has ever played. I'm just not going to do that. I can tell you based on these games that three popped up, two of them had losing records at the time, one of them was Matt Flynn. If you want to go back and comb through each and every one to see if you missed one, I don't, I don't know. But it's, it's, again, it's not super interesting to me. I think the bigger thing is some teams are set up to win in those situations and some are not. And when you talk about the Mike McCarthy Green Bay Packers, teams that are predicated on being up by 20 in the fourth quarter um, with absolutely no defense whatsoever. If you're talking about the Packers losing by the fourth quarter, clearly the offense is not carrying this team. And you certainly can't depend on the defense when you're trying to mount a comeback. Because how do you win in a comeback? You have to score, and then you have to stop the other team from scoring. Those are two things that have to happen. Well, if you're down in the fourth quarter, you haven't been doing a good job of either of those things. So the the odds that you're going to start doing it in the fourth quarter, relatively low for any team. Which again, is why 30% is as good as you're going to find in this situation. So, you know, is, is it a great stat for the Packers in general? No. It shows that the Packers generally are not a very good comeback team in the fourth quarter. However much you want to put on Aaron Rodgers, I guess that's up to you. You'd have to go back and look at his performance, I guess, in the fourth quarter and determine whether or not you thought it was good enough. It's not interesting enough to me. But again, it's just, it's more ridiculous stats that are put in a really weird way to try to prove a really weird point. The Packers overall have not been good when down between two and seven in the fourth quarter. I can confirm that to a marginal degree. They're, they're in the middle, mid-tier kind of a team, which again makes sense when you're talking about a team that generally is predicated on being up. And there are teams that are that way, right? Teams like the 49ers, the Patriots, these were always teams that were built to win in the fourth quarter. The Packers were never a team built to win in the fourth quarter. 
they have been the last couple of years been pretty clutch at that, closing out fourth quarters and whatnot, close tight games. But apparently, if that includes being down by the start of the fourth quarter by two or more points, the odds have not been in our favor. Okay, whatever. <laughs> but here, here's, here's the ultimate reason why it doesn't matter. The goal of a team is to win. If the Packers are that bad when down by two points, but have this many wins consistently, what does that mean in terms of how many times the Packers have been in that situation compared to other teams? You're talking about the winningest team in football over the last, well, since Matt LaFleur got here, but they can't win when down in the fourth. So what does that tell you? So why doesn't Rodgers get credit or the team or whatever it is we're trying to do? The point is the Packers win and Aaron Rodgers wins. And if we want to count that as a flaw that he can't win in the fourth quarter, okay, that's fine. I've already conceded that when you bring pressure and you can bring it consistently, especially with four, the Packers are not going to win. I can't tell you what the stats, the stats are on other teams in those exact situations because I have no idea. I have no way to look that up. I have no way to, to check anything. I, I don't know if Tom is better in those situations. I know it's difficult for every quarterback in history just based on common sense, but I, I really I can't tell you. So I don't know. If that means a lot to you, then there you go. There's the stat. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. I mean, here's the other thing I will say. The issue that I had maybe from 2019 and prior is that the team pouts a lot, especially 2018 was the worst. 2018 was so bad, you could tell by the first quarter if they were going to lose because they just started giving up. That was part of the issue that I had with this team and part of the cultural change that needed to happen is they started getting pouty. They put their heads down. Well, that's clearly not a team that's going to come out and win in the fourth quarter. Now, again, that is one of the cultural shifts that's happened, I think, since Matt LaFleur got here is they have gotten uh, to be more of a team that believes in themselves and doesn't quit. But if you assume that that's, this is sort of um, the way that the culture was built, and it makes sense. You know, you look at 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, or whatever, they were such a powerhouse that later when they weren't such a powerhouse, they, they start pouting. And that's just kind of the, the thing that they went through largely from 2015 to 2018, you know, with, to varying degrees, with 2018 being obviously the absolute worst, just in terms of, of this team is a mess with the, the, um, the play on the field and, I mean, just Aaron Rodgers' play and um, the dysfunction in the locker room and everything else. So, again, do whatever you want with that information. There's, there's a lot that's not being accounted for. One of them is being the, the change in the team, the change in the coach, the change in Aaron Rodgers, the change in the, the, the way that this team plays, um, the fact that the Packers are moving in a direction that is to be more like the 49ers, that is to be more resilient, which doesn't just rely on a quarterback and, a, and switching to a quarterback that is you know, dominant in the fourth quarter, which, by the way, again, I can read off those teams. Do you, would you rather us be the Dolphins? Because remember, they lose all the time. So being clutch in the fourth quarter when you're only down by two is great. What happens when you're down by more than seven consistently because your team just kind of sucks? So again, it's a stat that doesn't really tell me what it tells me. What, what is it you're trying to tell me with this specifically? Well, he's not clutch in the fourth quarter. Well, you don't know that. How much is his fault? How much is the, is the defense's fault or the offensive line's fault or the wide receiver's fault or the tight end's fault or the running back's fault or the coach's fault? So... Generally speaking, when you see stats like this, especially really wild and egregious stats that have, you know, weird numbers that don't really make a lot of sense, two or more, which is a completely random number, versus winning teams is kind of a weird thing. I mean, it, not really, it kind of makes sense, but, it, but when you understand that they're not talking about teams that ended with a winning record, teams that at the time had a winning record, kind of a weird way to look at it. When it doesn't provide um, 
proper controls, like not down by more than seven, you can change that. You can say six, you can say 10, you can say whatever you want, whatever you think is reasonable, but it needs to have some form of a control in it. Of course, they don't want to because it makes the 42 a bigger number. You don't want it to say 21. That's, that's not as exciting. And then beyond that does not provide context of what the, what the expected record is, right? If, if the best in football, it's 0. 0.308. The median is 0. 0.182, so less than 20%. And the Packers had a 0. 0.136. Again, it's not a good number, but it just it, you kind of look at it when you look at the full context and go, oh, yeah, that's, that's weird. And then you start to figure out why, like we just talked about. What, what are the reasons? Well, here's a couple of reasons why that might be. The, 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 the silly thing about it, though, is... The goal is to imply Rodgers sucks at being a quarterback, and everybody knows that's not true. So it's, it's, it's so stupid. But even Packer fans are going to want to run with that because, again, what we want to do is, is we need answers. Why did we lose? Well, it's because Rodgers isn't clutch. Oh, well, there you go. It's because Rodgers isn't clutch. Anyways, quick update on some of the coaching hires and whatnot. Chicago Bears are working really fast. Uh, we talked about the fact that they hired Ryan Poles to be their new general manager. Matt Eberflus is their head coach. They brought in Luke Getze to be the offensive coordinator, and Alan Williams is their defensive coordinator. So what they're doing is pretty straightforward. I don't have a problem with anything they're doing. Um, I can't comment on how good they're going to be because we don't know. We don't know how good Matt Eberflus is going to be as a head coach. We don't know how good Luke Getze is going to be as an offensive coordinator, but Matt is being brought in to be the head coach, right? That is his job. It's different than being an offensive coordinator and just a play caller. There's more to it than that. And his success depends on his ability to do that other stuff that we don't know if he can do. Same with Ryan Poles, where we can talk all day until we're blue in the face about his positive or negative credentials or whatever, but we, we just, we just got to know if he can do the job. And there's a lot to this job um, beyond just whatever it is we know at this point. But uh, Alan Williams makes sense because essentially Matt wants to implement his defense here in Chicago. And so he's going to bring in Alan Williams, who understands his defense and is going to help him implement it and also help him so that he can try to be as hands-off with the defense as possible and let him run the defense. For the offense, though, they had to pick a direction because he's not an offensive-minded guy, so they tried to say, what direction do we want to go? And if you look at what the NFL is pumping out right now, uh, you look at over at the NFC, you had the Green Bay Packers and Matt LaFleur, you had the 49ers with uh, Kyle Shanahan, you had Sean McVay for the Rams. These are all that one system. So it makes sense to say we want to go in that direction. And so Luke Getze makes a good amount of sense. He's worked under Matt LaFleur for some time. Um, again, do I know? I mean, it, it makes sense on its face, especially when this is a quarterback-friendly system and you're bringing in a quarterback coach. So it's, it's kind of a double whammy because you got a quarterback guy to help us with our quarterback who needs help, and you're implementing a quarterback-friendly system. So all that kind of makes sense. The, everything on its face seems like a, a good decision in theory. Now it just comes down to execution. Can Luke Getze do it? Can Matt Eberflus Flus, um, operate as a head coach and make this all gel and mold together? Can Alan Williams make this defense go? And on top of that, Ryan Poles is a really big job because these guys all need to come together with a common vision. And then Ryan Poles needs to execute that vision by making sure the roster is what it needs to be, which starts today. It starts with, you know, guys that are on the roster now that are expensive, that are old. And the question is, do we try to make this thing go right now with the guys that we have? Do we start to tear some of these guys down and ship them out of here, see if maybe we can get a couple picks for them and start bringing in new guys? Don't know. We got to see how it goes. Um, I, you know, I know what everybody would love for me to do, presumably, is to come in and say that these are all stupid hires. I have no idea. That's, I wish I had more... 
I wish I had a different answer for a lot of this stuff, but I just, I just don't because we don't know. Uh, Denver not only got Nathaniel Hackett, but Justin Outen also went over there. Uh, I've been talking about that to some degree about how, um, I think Adam Stenovich makes a lot of sense for the Green Bay Packers, that offensive coordinator. I think that that's a, uh, a smart hire, and I think it's a hire that the Packers would make regardless, right? I mean, again, the, the assumption that is made is that Luke Getze is the best option that the Packers had. Why? Because he's the quarterback coach, and quarterbacks rank higher than offensive line, so obviously you would want Luke Getze. Not necessarily. You want the guy that is most adept at understanding this system on a fundamental level, and to say that that isn't Adam Stenovich is a little presumptuous. I would, if I had to guess, and this is where I was kind of leading into when I talked to Dusty, if I had to guess, I would say that Adam Stenovich is probably one of the um, best guys for the job, and I think Justin Outen might be another one because of what it is he has to know to be the tight end coach. Now, a lot of people are looking at this and laughing at the Broncos because they're so stupid because our tight ends weren't even that good. And so you're taking Justin out and you must be stupid. Again, that's not how this works. I can't say Justin Outen is going to be good or bad as an offensive coordinator. Again, it's a completely different job. I don't know what's going to happen over there. But what Nathaniel Hackett needs is somebody that spent time with him under Matt LaFleur and understood what Matt was trying to implement can help him implement it. Now you've got a guy in Justin Outen, regardless of what he was able to do with the tight ends that we had. Does he have a fundamental understanding of how the offensive line, how the tight ends, how the wide receivers and the quarterback and how these things all operate? Well, as a tight ends coach, you have to understand the offensive line because you have to understand the blocking schemes and the fundamentals therein. But you're also dealing essentially with wide receivers, plus the tight ends, which is a different form of blocking than just offensive line. So you got the offensive line generally or the blocking in general. You've got the tight ends and their understanding of what they're supposed to do, but also wide receivers because tight ends operate as wide receivers. They split out wide, they go on the slot, they have to block out wide, they have to run routes. So the point is, Justin Outen presumably understands this offense on a very, very fundamental level, and not just that, but specifically the same style that that Nathaniel Hackett did. Now, again, and this is what I, I don't think I mentioned, I've done so many different podcasts, I don't think it was my own, but your job is not to go there and make this team the Green Bay Packers or to just do what Matt LaFleur did. If that's your plan, you've already lost. You've already failed. And that's true of Luke Getzey as well. If you're just going to try to do and bring over a playbook and say, I don't know, this is what we did in Green Bay. Let's see how it works. You failed. Your job is to understand this offense on a fundamental level so that you can apply it to the roster you have and make the proper adjustments to it. That's why the Rams, the 49ers, and the Packers, although they have a similar foundational um, understanding and, and, and the way that they operate. They're, they're different offenses. They're different. They operate differently. They do different things. Because you look at the quarterback, the offensive line, the tight ends, and, and the wide receivers, and you try to use the fundamental principles and apply it to the roster you have to build the best offensive system that you can with that. And maybe you have your own philosophies based on different places you've been. Nathaniel Hackett's been different places. He may want to emphasize more of a vertical passing game with his Air Coriel roots and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. But bringing Justin Outen in is not a matter of how good of a job were the Packers or how good were the Packers tight ends. Uh, they were bad, therefore Justin Outen doesn't get the hire, doesn't get the job. It's just that's it's just not how that works. I wish it was because then, you know, fans like me and you could make those kinds of sweeping judgments and, and we would understand everything we need to know, but it's not. We would need to know how good this guy is at understand. And here's the thing, even if I was in the meeting rooms, I probably wouldn't know because I don't know what's going on in there. So I can't tell you who the, who the guys who really fundamentally understand this are and aren't because I, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what they're talking about. 
So unfortunately, as much as it is my job to try to analyze these things, there's nothing really here to analyze other than it makes sense. Best of luck. We'll see how it goes. Again, on a, on a fundamental level, I get what you're doing, and I don't have a problem with it. With the, what the, bear, the direction the Bears are going, I get it, and it makes sense. It works, right? We like the uh, Packers offense, we like the Colts defense, and we're going to go in that direction. But again, the, the biggest thing, call it 90%, is implementation, execution, right? The initial plan is great, that's fine, but you got to go execute. Same with game day, right? You can come up with a good plan, but if you don't execute it, you lost the game. Um, Jacksonville's catching a ton of flack for hiring Doug Peterson. I don't know. I don't care. It might work. It might not, might not, you know, Mike McCarthy, the, the Dallas Cowboys were mocked and ridiculed. And I mean, that was, that was a good football team. They collapsed in the playoffs and we could say that's Mike's fault or not. I don't know. But point is I would not have expected them to be this good under Mike McCarthy. Although I don't, I guess I don't know why not. He turned them into the 2011 Green Bay Packers, right? Let's get a bunch of wide receivers, a competent quarterback. We're going to completely destroy the run game entirely. And the defense is not really going to be much of a factor. Aside from like one ball hawking corner or something. I mean, it's, it's very Packers-esque. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, uh, apparently some conflicting reports, but it, either way, Harbaugh is not going to be the head coach. They did decide to go forward with Kevin O'Connell after they got Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, who again has an impressive resume, but we'll have to see what he can do in terms of execution. Kevin O'Connell did play quarterback um, from 2008 to 2012 kind of a journeyman guy. He played for the Patriots, Lions, Jets, Dolphins, Jets again, and then Chargers, which is um, six teams and, well, it's five teams in five years. But if you count the Jets two times from going back and forth, then you got six and five. So he moved around a lot, but um, clearly has been another guy that, so the the, the Vikings MO seems to be, let's find the young and aspire uh, and um, the, ra- the, the, the rapid risers, right? There's no question about that. I mean, that was my whole thing with the the GM. Five seconds ago, this guy was, you know, like an intern and has just been flying up the ranks. Now you got a guy that in 2012 was sitting on the Chargers bench. A lot of these coaches, they were been coaching, you know, in college since like the 90s. This guy was playing football in 2012. He didn't get his first gig until 2015 as a coach. First time ever coaching, 2015 quarterback coach for the Cleveland Browns. 49ers picked him up for special projects, which I've never seen that before. Then Washington in 2017 had him a quarterback's coach. Washington promoted him after one year to quarterback coach and passing game coordinator, and then they promoted him to offensive coordinator. So in, in, in a matter of two years, he went from quarterback coach to uh, passing game coordinator to offensive coordinator. Yes, it's two years. Don't mess with me. It is two years. 2017 to 2018, 2018 to 2019. Shut up. Anyways, after that, uh, the Rams were able to hire him away and make him their offensive coordinator from 2000, uh, 2020 to present. Well, not really present Wikipedia. Thank you very much. Maybe get on the ball here. But you know what I mean, up until now. His first time as an offensive coordinator was 2019, and he's a head coach right now. So again, this is the uh, the goal of Minnesota right now. You're taking a pretty high risk because these are guys that have very little experience. Your GM has very little experience. Your head coach has very little experience. But you're getting guys that are on the top of the list in terms of you know, if you were to bet on who's going to be the next big thing, it's these guys. And a lot of teams are going to look at it and go, yeah, but they could use a few more years of this, that, or the other. But Vikings are like, no, we're going to get them early. And again, we can look at it from the typical fan perspective of, okay, very simple. He was a quarterback coach for Cleveland in 2015. Go look at the quarterbacks. Tell me how they did. Go look at Washington 2017. Tell me if there's a jump in their production. Um, 2018, he was promoted from quarterback coach to passing game coordinator. So look at the jump from quarterbacks from 2016 to 17, 17 to 18. 
and then you know continue on that. But then also let's look at their passing. Um, basically everything that he did, show me how it got better. In 2019, he was the offensive coordinator. Show me how the offense overall improved. And then in LA, show me how 2020 was a jump from 2019, and then 2021 was better than 2020. He improved the offense over there. Show me those things. We can do that, but it's never been productive ever. It's never really proved very much of anything. And so I, I just generally see it as kind of a waste of time. It, it really comes down to fundamental understandings. He clearly has a really strong understanding of things, which is why he's flying up the ranks so fast. I mean, he's like a lot of these quarterbacks who do their YouTube channels and everything else. It's just guys that maybe weren't the greatest quarterbacks, but the mental part of the game and the process and all that kind of stuff, they, they enjoy it, they like it. And for Kevin O'Connell, I think, you know, the mental part of the game, he just clearly understood it and loved it just wasn't the greatest quarterback in the world. But as a coach, it makes it's a perfect fit. But again, it's it's not that, right? They've already established, as as has everybody that that has had him on their team and then just driven him straight up the ranks. They all understand that this guy's understanding of things is really, really high level. But again, it comes down to execution. Can you execute? And similar to the Bears for the Minnesota Vikings, it comes down to these two guys working together. Kevin O'Connell now as a head coach isn't just a play caller. You got to go find a guy that's going to be your play caller that's going to help you implement stuff, which is going to be kind of tough because, you know, I mean, maybe he can try to poach guys from the Rams because he spent a couple years there, but he also spent time in Washington. Like, what what are his foundational roots? What what does he do? I mean, even as a player, he was with so many different teams, so many different systems. What system are you going to bring here? I'm assuming it's going to be the Rams system because the Vikings are probably looking at it saying, listen, we understand just like the Bears and the Packers and everybody else in the NFC North is understanding with the exception of the Lions that this is the offense that's winning right now and this is what we want. So part of the package deal is not just a young and aspiring guy, but a guy that understands the Rams system. So my assumption is they're going in that direction. But the other issue with a guy that, you know, doesn't have a ton of experience is he probably doesn't have quite as deep of a Rolodex either. And um, the ability to bring in quality coaches might be kind of tough too for a um, 36-year-old first-time head coach who's never spent more than two years in one place. In fact, being with the Rams for two years is the longest he's ever spent doing any one job. I mean, he was with Washington for 2017, 18, 19, which is three years. But, I mean, are you going to go poach old Washington guys to implement a Rams offense? So, I mean, there's there's going to be some tough things there. And, and, and again, it's, it's do you have, as smart as you are, do you have that fundamental of an understanding and that deep of a Rolodex to go out and find guys that are going to be able to, you, you can perfectly articulate what this offense is supposed to do and then find guys that understand that vision and can implement that vision for you. On top of that, both of these relatively young and inexperienced guys, and I'm, I don't mean to completely disparage them, I'm just talking about what some of the challenges are with ha- hiring in this way as opposed to some of the other ways, experience versus the you know hot young talent is the lack of experience. And so defensively, what are we doing? What are you looking for for defense? You can't just poach all Rams guys. Well, I like the Rams defense, so we're going to bring over there, you know, unless you go real far down the list, but then you're getting guys that don't have that fun. Plus, the Rams are a team that's constantly being poached. So by the time you poach somebody from the LA Rams, they're probably guys that have only been there for like a year or two. Because every year, the top guys get get poached, just like how you ended up where you are. You're the offensive coordinator, you automatically get a job somewhere else. So we'll see how they can continue to do that. Um, It would be fair to assume that it's going to take them some time to really kind of figure this thing out, but I don't know. We'll see. As for the Packers, they've got quite a few positions to fill. Um, special teams coordinator was fired, so they need to figure that out. I'm sure they've started that process, although we haven't heard anything yet. So um, 
They're still doing their fact finding, presumably, because I'm guessing as soon as somebody walks, you know, gets on a plane and walks into the building, the uh, reporters are going to pick up on that and we're going to hear a name. So I'm guessing that hasn't happened yet, but obviously the process of finding a new coordinator has happened. We're going to have to find a new tight ends coach and quarterback coach, which again, doesn't have to be a bad thing. I mean, it's it's nice to have the continuity factor and guys that really understand things and you don't have to catch them up to speed on things, but it's also nice to get a different um, a different angle on everything, right? The The tight ends have heard from Outen for years. Wouldn't hurt to get some new blood in there to try to look at things from a different angle. Same with quarterback coach. It couldn't hurt. But again, no news as of yet, so we'll leave it at that. Once again, don't forget A Modern Frontier. Go to a modern frontier, amodernfrontier.com. Get you a big old box of meat. You get smaller packages for affordable prices, and they're going to ship right to your door. Use promo code MEATPACKER, all caps, one word. Whether you use an S or not shouldn't matter, but, um, you know, I'll let you decide. That'll give you uh, $25 off your order. Don't forget, if you can, if you got a little bit of extra scratch this month, don't forget about Drew. Drew uh, was diagnosed with epilepsy. Not going to make a seizure joke because that would be off color. Inappropriate. But I did struggle to get that out a little bit. Drew was diagnosed with epilepsy. He's looking to get a seizure service dog. Got a lot of money. We still got to raise there. But uh, if you got anything, $5, $10, whatever you can do would be greatly appreciated. You can find his GoFundMe pinned to the top of my Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Thank you very much to uh, Troy for jumping in on Patreon, as well as uh, Michael for creating his own tier at the $4 tier, which is now a thing. If you want your own tier named after you, you can do that. Anyways, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I probably should mention um, on that one more thing on that little statistic or whatever. Um, I did adjust their statistics so that it made more sense when I said I'm going to add in, um, you know, less than seven points just because it's stupid to say otherwise. If you don't do that, it actually works better for the Packers. The Packers rank 15th, so they're slightly better than average. Um, 
which doesn't mean anything because it's still it's still garbage. It's four wins and 46 losses. But again, this is what people will show you. They'll say the Green Bay Packers have four wins and 46 losses when losing by more than two in the fourth quarter. And everyone goes, dude, the Packers suck. No, that ranks 15th because, again, we're not operating from a point of understanding context. That's better than average. 0. 0.080 is better than average because the stat is stupid. You're, you're talking about a team that's losing by in the fourth quarter. You're Of course, you're going to kind of suck a little bit. The best win percentage or whatever, again, is the Patriots. They have 11 wins, 39 losses. Pittsburgh, 12 wins, 44 losses. Um, only, let's see, so 0.2. So 20%, two teams win 20% of the time in that situation. So again, just remember, all I did was add in all those other games in which you're losing by more than seven, and the Packers actually move up the rankings because I'm just adding a pile of losses to teams. So so again, it, does that mean the Packers are even better when they're down by more than seven because they got this? No, what it probably means is we added in a bunch of losses. Almost every team lost almost every single one of those games when you're down by more than seven in the fourth quarter, with the exception of maybe one or two wins. But because the Packers are almost never down by seven or more, it works to their advantage because they're a better football team. So they moved up the rankings. I don't know that. I'm assuming that. But again, this is how data gets to be stupid. It's just stupid. I mean, it's, you know, again, it's not the data. It's the people who are interpreting it. But this is a useless thing. The average, by the way, is 0.084. So Packers are sitting right at about average. Uh, for for the, the entire NFL... You're looking at 183 losses, 1,988 wins and one, or excuse me, losses and one tie. 183 wins, 1,988 losses and one tie. 2,172 games and only 183 ended up winning. So again, enjoy that stat if you want, but it's a stupid stat. Anyways, we did have somewhat of a, a more interesting development recently. Marquez Valdez Scantling recently put it out there that the Packers definitely want him back. And um, he went so far as to say, I don't really care what happens with Aaron Rodgers. I want to be back. Um, I got, I got to be honest. Um, I don't really know how much that means. I think if you ask the Packers who they want back, they're pretty much going to say everybody. Now, there are some that are more obviously gone than others and some that might be more lip service than others, but it's hard to gauge what's what. I don't doubt the Packers want MVS back and that they like MVS. They've always liked MVS, even if I may, may have been a little more down on him than, than the Packers and the general Packers fans, it's been clear to me that the Packers really, really like the guy. I know they also really like Alan Lazard. I also know that they really like and want back Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I'm sure there's no question they would love to have Zadarius back and Preston back and Whitney Merciless back. The question, though, is when it comes, ta- comes time to make the tough decisions, which tough decisions are they going to make? It's not about who they want. It's, they don't have the luxury, I guess I'm trying to say, of bringing back the guys that they like. Usually the Packers do. That's the benefit of doing things the way the Packers usually do things, which is to protect the salary cap. Everybody they want back comes back. And guys that they don't want back don't come back. And that's that. They find an appropriate price. They say, this is what you're worth. And they'll either offer it or just say it's not worth even mentioning this number because it's embarrassingly low. And they won't offer it. But um, I would say that I'm, I'm not going to put a ton of stock in it. And, 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 you know, there are some players that probably aren't going to say that, right? Zedarius has already basically said goodbye because I think he understands the writings on the wall. I think he understood as soon as the contract was probably put in place that he was, this was a one-year deal. So with a lot of these guys, again, with Adrian Amos, with 
MVS, Alan Lazard, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Devontae Adams. It's not a matter of do the Packers want them back. It's a matter of we can't bring them all back. Who stays and who goes? And so it doesn't really surprise me to hear that the Packers told MVS they definitely want to try to retain him. It's not really a surprise that MVS says that he wants to stay, right? Would I be surprised if they told that to uh, Zadarius? Yes. And in fact, I would not only be surprised, I would be a little disappointed because now everything that the Packers say, I don't trust because he's not coming back. I guess I shouldn't say that definitively, but it, it, it would be pretty shocking and I would probably wildly disagree with whatever structure they came up with to keep Zadarius. But again, it's, it's one of those things that feels like big news when you see it and then you think about it and you think, what, what is that actually telling us? I don't know that it tells me anything. The Packers told MVS they want to retain him. I don't, again, yes. Did they tell him they will retain him? No, that's not what he said. He said the Packers definitely want him back. I know. Does anybody doubt that? That they don't want MVS back? That they want him to leave? They don't want him on the team? Of course not. The question isn't, do they want to keep the guys? The question is, of the people that they want to keep, who's got to go anyways? That's the question. Anyways, um, some other newsy, it's not even news, it's, it's um, you know, I've, I've come to appreciate the off-season drama, it really makes my job um, fun and interesting, even if it's really stupid, but sometimes it's so stupid, it's like, I just, I don't know if I can do this, man. Basically, what had happened is you've got a guy by the name of Jared Stillman. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of the guy. I was shocked to see that he is a uh, actual radio personality, not just some nobody. I mean, you can be a radio personality and a nobody, technically, I guess, but uh, usually not. Usually a lot of these completely fake rumors come from completely fake accounts that have reputations of doing nothing but but lying. But he is on 102.5 The Game, which is some radio station apparently in Tennessee. Um, I'll just let this play out here. According to multiple sources, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers is building a home in Franklin. The second thing, a source tells me Rodgers would be, quote, open to joining the Titans. That's all I was told. Open to joining the Titans, and they talked to another source in which at least some of Rodgers' current Green Bay Packer teammates think there is no way Rodgers is going back to Green Bay. All right, so let's go ahead and break this down real quick. Um, first of all, we know Aaron Rodgers sold his house in California, and we now have a guy here saying that he is building a house in Franklin, Tennessee. I honestly wouldn't be too surprised if that's the reality. I really wouldn't. And so this is where I wonder if him being somewhat legitimate is, is you know, coming in strong here. It's entirely possible that every word of this is fake, and I want to give some credence to that fact, because that's also, that's probably the second most likely thing here. But let's just run with this. Let's say... Aaron Rodgers is moving essentially from California to Tennessee. If that's true, what does that tell us? And, and by moving, obviously guys like Aaron Rodgers don't move the way we move or we have one residence. It's t entirely possible that these things are not even tied together, but it, but it would make sense. I mean, he's selling a house and apparently building a house somewhere else. What does that tell us? What did it tell us when he bought a house in California? Nothing. It told us that that's where he wants to live uh, in the offseason, right? That's where he went when he lived somewhere in the offseason. Let, let me also throw this out there. I'm pretty sure, unless he has multiple homes in California, um, which is possible, I'm pretty sure the home we're talking about is the home that he bought with Danica Patrick, right? So um, yeah, it makes sense that 
he is now engaged to someone else and she's like, look, um, love the house. Not sure I want to live in your pad that you bought with Danica. But anyways, what does that, what does that tell us about it? We know that he buys homes that have nothing to do with the team he's playing for. He has homes other than the home where he's playing. Beyond that, he does have a home in Green Bay, Wisconsin, right? Did he sell that home? Because that would be more telling if he sold that home and bought a home somewhere else. So the point is, he has a home in the place where he's playing, which currently is Green Bay, and that home is still his. He still owns it. He still lives there. Then he has at least a home, if not multiple homes, I don't know. As far as I know, he has one somewhere else. One of them is being sold, and potentially one of them is being built in Tennessee. So what? The last home that he had had nothing to do with the team he's playing for. Why would this one? Beyond that, again, the... (laughs) The move from California to Tennessee clearly has nothing to do with the team he's playing for, but you know who's moving into Tennessee right now? Franklin, Tennessee is is blowing up. You know who's moving in there? People from California. <laughs> this, is, this is a constant flow, whether it be Texas, Tennessee, Florida. These places are being flooded beyond flooded with people from New York, Illinois, and California. And considering Aaron Rodgers' stance on, on many things, recently, including his stance against the governor of California, his friendship with guys like Joe Rogan, who fled California, moved to Texas. It's not surprising that he's moving to Franklin, Tennessee. Again, this might be entirely fake, but would it be that surprising for him to say, I'm not living here, whether it be just based on a cost factor or change of life factor, or, you know, we want a different, slower pace, we're going to Tennessee, or just a a minor protest of I'm not living in this place anymore. Remember, the guy's not vaccinated, which means he's not super welcomed in California. You know where he's welcome? In places like Nashville, like Franklin. Not one single person cares in Franklin whether the guy is vaccinated or not. So first of all, there's a question of, is this even true? Does it have anything to do with his California house? And then beyond that, does it have anything to do with football? And there's zero reason to believe that. So then you take this information, right? Let, let's just say this guy did get a tip that Rogers is building a house in Tennessee. Let, again, we're just running with this. We're just, it, there, might as well, right? It's just floating out there. Let's, let's just entertain the one thing that's possible. I'm thinking this guy took that and said, I got to make something out of this. Whether he believes any of it or not, doesn't matter. He, this is a major moment for him because he found out Aaron Rodgers is maybe moving to Tennessee and he's got a make it a big deal and saying, hey, he bought a house in Tennessee is not interesting. I mean, it kind of is. I mean, it's news and you, you know, it's, it's like a TMZ kind of thing, but not a football thing. So he's got to make it a football thing. So what did he say beyond that? He has heard from sources, Aaron Rodgers is open to moving or playing for the Tennessee Titans. What in the world could that possibly mean? I have to assume he's taken some major liberties. This guy does not have the phone number of anybody in Aaron Rodgers, quote unquote, inner circle. I promise you that. The best you can do is to find a guy like, let's say, Andrew Brandt. Maybe he's got Andrew Brandt's phone number or could DM him or something. But let's just play this out. Let's say you can't. And and again, Andrew Brandt has no ties to Aaron Rodgers or anything like that. But you find a guy like that, a person who's got some experience in the, not even inner circle of of Aaron Rodgers, but of the NFL, let's say. Let's just say it's Andrew Brandt. And you just got to, you can DM him or whatever. And you're like, hey, Andrew, it's so-and-so from 102.5, the game, whatever it is. Just curious. Um. I've got some news that Rodgers may be considering coming to the Titans. I'm just curious, uh, do you think that there's any reason to believe that he either would or would not be open to coming here? Do you think he'd, let's just ask it flat out, do you think he'd be willing to come to a place like Tennessee? The right answer to that is probably, yeah, probably, right? 
I mean, that, that is the right answer. I mean, would he be open to that? Of course. What does that mean? Nothing. Because we're, we're assuming a lot of things. Would he be open to it? Well, are we assuming that he's not coming back to Green Bay and that he's being traded? Yes. Okay, so if that's the case, would he consider going to Tennessee? Of course he would. But what does that mean? It, it basically just means Tennessee is a competent team that, the, that uh, Aaron Rodgers would be willing to consider if he was willing to consider a trade. But again, that's what we're assuming he is because it's a hypothetical. He's also heard from people on his, you know, in his inner circle that there's no way he's coming back. So we're supposed to put these pieces together. First of all, that's garbage. I, I, I'm willing to bet he found some clips from about a year ago. I have not heard a single thing. Maybe, maybe I'm missing it, but even if I'm not, there's, I've, I've not heard a shred. Nothing. Not even a tiny bit from anybody. From Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers' inner circle, Aaron Rodgers' outer circle, Aaron Rodgers' uh, stratospheric circle. Nothing. Not a single word about Aaron Rodgers being so much as slightly annoyed with the Green Bay Packers, much less stomping his feet saying, there's no way I'm coming back. That's silliness. And, and then again, you start to read it backwards now, you clearly can see that this guy is making this up, right? Or, or at least taking liberties. He found some article from back in the day saying, I don't think he's coming back. There's no way, whatever, right? I'm sure you can find it. But he's trying to put this picture together. Aaron Rodgers isn't coming back. Aaron Rodgers bought a house in Tennessee. Aaron Rodgers would be open to playing for Tennessee, therefore he's playing in Tennessee. But let me just ask you this very simple question. Why would he buy a house before he's even sure what he's doing? Are we implying that there's a deal on the table? The only thing you can even do with this information is if you assume there's a trade that's about to take place, Tennessee's going to be number one on his list because he just bought a house in Tennessee. But he didn't buy the house knowing that it's going to happen because obviously there have been no talks to this point. He hasn't even said what he's going to do. He hasn't even decided if he's going to retire or come back. And then if he comes back, Green Bay is number one on the list. It's just a matter of whether or not they're going to meet his demands. So clearly this is nonsense. It's, it's the only potentially interesting thing here is the fact that he maybe, maybe bought a house in Tennessee, and I have not seen that substantiated in any other place, right? Which leads me to believe that this guy's source that figured this out is very similar to the source that said that, you know, the cleaning lady at his house or whatever. In other words, he, he knows a guy in the area. It was funny because one of the things on his video here, he's got a sponsor that's TriStar Moving. And my first thought was, okay, so did somebody from TriStar Moving Start talking about, dude, I swear it was Aaron Rodgers, man. I was moving some stuff in. He looked just like him. Like it's a big house. It's in Franklin, like a super richy area. I was moving in this furniture and I saw this guy at the end of the driveway in like a, a Bentley, right? Super expensive car. I doubt Rodgers drives a Bentley, but you get the idea. It was an expensive car. He looked just like him. If, if you're, uh, what's his name? Jared Stillman. And you've got a radio show and you get a, a tip, and again, it doesn't have to be TriStar Moving. I, I doubt your sponsors call you up and like, dude, guess what? That's not how that works generally. But whatever, it was, it was somebody. It was, it was a neighbor's brother's cousin saw Rogers, you know, looking at a house. And he ran. I, I, I genuinely think that that's what that is. And I would be not even a little bit surprised because this happened February 2nd, so two days ago. Next Tuesday, presumably, we're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers, and presumably there's going to be all kinds of... I would not be surprised, even in the least, if Aaron... In the least... If Aaron Rodgers says, dude, I haven't been to Tennessee since the last time we played the Titans. That wouldn't surprise me even a little bit. But again, just looking at each individual thing, none of this makes sense. By the way, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to Tennessee. This whole thing is stupid and a non-factor from the start because Tennessee can't afford him. Obviously, Mike Florio took this and ran with it because Mike Florio is no different than any of these other guys. He, he either doesn't have the capacity to recognize how stupid this is, or decides that I want the clickbait. And obviously that's what it is because I don't think he is stupid. I think he's smart enough to realize that this is money. In fact, 
I'm going to uh, title this podcast, as you probably noticed, but it just dawned on me right this second. I'm going to title this podcast, Aaron Rodgers to Tennessee, question mark, because a lot of people will probably click on it. In fact, you know what's going to happen? I'll have a good amount of people click on it for that reason. But what I'm mostly going to have is people commenting on social media without ever listening, saying how stupid it is, because they're not going to realize that if you listen, that's exactly what I, what I said. But people don't like to, don't like to look into it. They just want to yell at me. But Ryan Tannehill's contract has the Titans on the hook for $29 million, fully guaranteed in 2022. How in the world are you going to pay $29 million to Tannehill to sit on the bench? Fully guaranteed means you can trade him, you can cut him, you can shoot the guy. It isn't going to change anything. You can throw him off a bridge if you want, but the contract stays with you. So that's not going to happen. He's not going to Tennessee. Tennessee can't bring him on. Unless they do something, unless unless they're just super, super, super into Aaron Rodgers, in which case the only thing you could possibly do is rework his contract so that he has a really low hit this year. And then then the, the point is beyond this year, Tannehill's gone. And Tannehill's going to be gone anyways, but but we're going to really backload Aaron Rodgers' contract so that we can, you know, balance the $29 million for Tannehill. And, you know, I don't even know how low you can get at 25. So you're sitting at $45 million at the quarterback position. And then Rodgers balloons up to $45 million or something, $40 million after that. But Rodgers is your quarterback for the next three, four, five years. That's the only way it could potentially work. But there's just, it's again, the whole thing is stupid. But again, I am very grateful to guys like Jared Stillman because it gives us something to talk about. And, and even on a stupid level, it gives us something to kind of theorize and kind of uh, keep the tools sharp. And I do love a good conspiracy theory, man. I do. I wish this had a little bit more teeth to it. I wish that I could run with this a little bit more, but um, it's the best I got. I am curious, by the way, if this actually happened. And I don't even know for sure the California thing is true. I had just heard he sold his California. For all I know, that was a fake report. I don't know. Again, it's not even interesting enough for me to really delve into it because it has nothing to do with anything. I don't care about his personal private life. But it is a little bit interesting. I'd be curious. I'll probably never go to California, but I go through Tennessee regularly when we drive to Florida or whatever. Be like, hey, man, you want a Rogers house around here somewhere? I'm sure it's you know, several miles behind a very tall fence, but, uh, you know, it's in there somewhere. We could drive by and be like, back in there, man, that's where he is. Maybe hover around a barbecue joint, see if we can find him. Probably get stuck hanging out with some stupid country music star instead. Like, dude, leave me alone. I'm trying to find Aaron Rodgers here. I get it. You love my podcast. Get out of here, loser. Freaking Kenny Chesney or whatever. I don't know. Anyways, I think we're going to leave it at that. Hopefully we get some more substantive news, uh, at least a couple candidates. I, I know there's, there's a pile of guys. Um, I think Silverstein had put together kind of a list and it's down to two guys, uh, Bisakia or Joe Judge or whatever that he, he wants them to go get. I don't know. I don't have, since I don't have an opinion, it doesn't really matter. But once, once we kind of get some names, um, and I'm sure it won't be anybody big, I would be stunned if it's anybody big. It's going to be somebody nobody's heard of and everyone's going to freak out and whatever. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Same with the quarterback coach. But anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. 